Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Oh, God. Oh, that sucks. Ooh, I think my synchronization was perfect. Perfect. Sweet. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and I already so, forgot what episode number this is. Gosh. Blanket. 119. 119. Wait, no, shouldn't it be 120? Actually, yeah, it should be. Uh, hold on, let me see the yeah. spreadsheet. Let's see if I go to Pie Factory oh, you're Podcast. Right, 120. Yeah, 120. this should be one twenty. Yeah, because we yeah. typically do the weird ones on uh, numbers that are divisible by ten. Ten. Yeah. So, yeah, it is one twenty. Yeah. Welcome wow. to Pie Factory Podcast, everybody. Where we have everything covered. Exactly, everything covered. Yeah, everything we're all prepared, prepared and ready to go, and everyone knows that we're lying. And we didn't even need to be in Boy Scouts. No. At least I didn't need to. I don't know about you there, Jimmy. I was in Boy G. Scouts, but I didn't oh, really? really need oh, it. Oh, okay. I was not in Boy Scouts. I never wanted to be. Mainly because I uh, there were two reasons why I'd, I'd, I was never a Boy Scout. Number one was that well, I went to Catholic school. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to be around the public school kids. Because I knew that if I joined Scouts, I would have to be around them. And I didn't like them for the most part. Mm-hmm. And number two... No way did I ever want to wear that uniform ever. I was like, oh, come on, that little it was so that little cool. tie and everything. It's like, no, 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 that no, was no. So no. cool. You didn't get beat up or picked on at school at all. No, you didn't. No, siree. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> so how you doing? Oh boy, <laughs> you know, I wish you hadn't asked me that because now because you asked, and now I have to tell. I'm pretty sneezy today, and I don't know why. Like my right nostril is pretty. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like very cold, and I've been sneezing a lot. You're not happy or droopy? I'm not droopy. I can't do a droopy voice. There are some people I'm who can do it happy. easily. Hooray. You know what? I'm happy. Going yeah. ups. That, that, that was one thing that always kind of... The, one of the few things I didn't like about the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit is whoever did the voice of droopy didn't do the voice that I remember. Yeah, it was like this. Going up, sir. I have not seen that movie since it was in theaters. That was the one and only time I saw it, so I don't even remember. Uh, that's such a great movie. And my niece was actually Jessica Rabbit for Halloween one year. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. How old was she? Oh, man. She was she was in college, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay, then. Because, yeah, because... Um, yeah, she had to have been yeah. in college. Actually, may, it might not have been Halloween. It might have been at a... Uh, at uh, C2E2 or something. Oh, yeah, okay. Sure. She does I've that stuff all the time. I've always wanted to go to that. Yeah, she's very into the cosplay. That could be fun. I've thought about doing cosplay before, but I don't know what I would I, do. I, 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 I don't. One of my friends that I went to uh, went to high school with, he has his own original creation as uh, Pickles the Satanic Clown. Oh. So, yeah. yeah, so check him out on Facebook, Pickles the Clown's uh, page. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Yeah, I don't do costumes because I, I'm. I think I take after my dad in this regard because there's some things about my dad that are very stubborn and very like Midwest plain. Like <laughs> he's literally a meat and potatoes kind of guy. He even rice mm-hmm. is too exotic for him. I'm not like that with food. I like all kinds of food, and my mm-hmm. fatness shows. But I am kind of like that with my clothing. I'm jeans and t-shirt. 
That's it. Well, but you have the tie-dye t-shirt, so you got a little bit of the exotic in well, you. Well, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, of course, of course. Like Joe the one exotic, I'm, granted, Like but this still. one I'm wearing now that, oh, it's not tie-dye at all. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I, it, no, if, if it's a costume party that someone invites me to, I'm going to be like, uh, can I, am I, okay, my costume is going to be a guy who's in jeans and a t-shirt. Next time we go up to Midwest Gaming Classic, I'm, I'm going to have to stop at the, uh, the Bong uh, Recreation Area again. Yeah. And see if they have any of those awesome uh, T-shirts there. That's their their tie dye. Say bong recreation area. It just seems so appropriate. My wife and I got a couple of those at the Mars Cheese Castle. Oh, really? The yes. bong shirts? Yep. Oh, nice. I didn't know they had them. Yeah, there. they have I, them, but they have an extra. They're not too far away. Yeah, yeah, they're really close. And uh, the thing is, they the, the ones they sell at the Mars Cheese Castle have an extra imprint that says Mars Cheese Castle on it. It's kind of subtle. Ah, uh, so you want an actual official one? Oh, do I? Yes, you do. You know what? I've got a, a, a bong recreation area ball cap somewhere, but I cannot find it. I lost it. Hmm. I've been looking for it, and I just cannot find it. And I don't know what happened to it. Knowing me, it's probably under the bed with all of the dust bunnies. Is Mr. Rabbit a dust bunny? He's just a bunny. Oh, oh okay. Mr. Rabbit got a friend. Oh, really? Yeah, for uh, for Christmas, uh, Z-Dog got him, a, got him a little friend. And his friend's name is Ms. Bunny. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Rabbit and Ms. Bunny. Hmm. So uh, they're a happy couple. Oh, that's that's lovely. They're not married, so of course they're happy. (laughs) So you're doing okay, huh? Yeah, well, okay, I'll put it to you this way. I might not, I'm not necessarily doing okay all around, but I'm managing it okay. I'll put it to you that way. That's good. So, so you're putting uh, you're, on a false, uh, a false no, uh, no, outward no, appearance? It's just, no, it's just that I'm, I, I guess I'm just handling it okay. Well, at least you got it handled. I got it handled, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. And, uh, oh yeah, bef- before we forget, this is a video game podcast. It's an arcade game podcast, but, but. Um, we we also do like to banter about non-arcade gaming. So, uh, Jimmy G, what games have, what, have you been playing any video games lately, be it arcade or non-arcade? What haven't I been playing? Oh, <laughs> actually, oh I know. Um, actually, uh, I got my uh, concerto cart for my 7800. Oh, yes, yes, do and tell. And come to find out that the uh, pokey chip that I feared was dead that I had on the Mateos cart... Actually, it isn't dead. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I got a full pokey Mateos cart. Awesome. Um, Concerto. And yeah, I was seeing what you were saying about uh, some ROMs not working. A lot of the newer Atari 2600 homebrews definitely don't work on it. But yeah. uh, like I've tried uh, Zookeeper, Zevius, and uh, and Robotron, but those but hold don't on. work. Oh, boy. This week in Robotron. All right. Okay, we're going to be hearing that probably again today. <laughs> so uh, so that was to be expected. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not that other game. It's uh, Robot War is the new name of it. Ah, okay. So that might be so, the last time we hear that today then. You never know. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's why I said money. Stay tuned and find out. Indeed. Will Sean bring up the name of the game? Will Jim bring it up? Stay tuned and find out. It's like a soap opera. Yeah. You know what? I've been listening to, watching a lot of old clips from Late Night with David Letterman. Indeed you have been. And, um, wow, our show has the same sarcastic attitude that that show did. Yeah, of course it does. I just, I just freaking noticed that. And I was noticing that with uh, with other shows, too. Like, Mystery Science Theater has the same, th- the same attitude. Hmm. There was one more from that era, too, that does, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. And then I'm thinking, you know what? That's got to be a Gen X thing. 
Might be. The well, whole thing is, I, I never really watched Letterman until well into his CBS tenure when he was doing uh-huh. the late show. So, like, I didn't really get a ch- get to see his late night stuff, which mm-hmm. is a little different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I was I would normally watch the Tonight Show, like Jay Jay Leno. I'd watch the monologue and then switch. In well, fact, I, the, um... I I seldom watch like the uh, late night talk shows beyond the opening monologues. Yeah, I don't watch them any. I don't watch them anymore. But uh, but yeah, so I was noticing that the whole sarcastic humor thing has got to be a Gen X thing. But, of course uh, it that's is. A, a side, yeah, sure it is. That's a side note there. But uh, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of games on uh, the twenty six hundred, seventy eight hundred. Mm, uh, I haven't, haven't really enough. done much with the Intellivision the last couple of weeks. I'm still trying to think of think of a way to have all of my stuff set up here so that I don't have a huge mess right by my bed. Mm. And literally, it's a huge mess. And I got, like, garbage and video game consoles and stuff everywhere in a small space. But um, Yeah, I'm still trying to figure things out uh, in this place we've been living for 14 years, so... Yeah, so that's probably... that's probably, I imagine the average collector probably knows that's a un, probably an ongoing battle that you never win. Well, yeah, here's the thing, though. I've been minimalizing my collection. Like, for example, my Atari 7800 stuff, I sold most of my Atari 7800 cartridges, uh, Mm -hmm. except for, I think I let go of maybe one or two homebrews, and that was it. But I had a pretty decent-sized collection. I didn't have the rare titles, but I had some Mm -hmm. a, a, a uh, a lot of things you don't normally see. And it's like, okay, now that I have the concerto cart like you have i have the uh, dragonfly i have the mateos i'm just going to keep the ones that i really 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 w- like if if all three of those cards went belly up and if i wanted to play something in the atari 7800 i'll keep those and i kept most of the homebrews so to clear some space out i put the collection up for like 30 bucks on ebay it ended up going for i think like 340 wow and man <laughs> Uh, and that, that was a that was a nice little thing. I just wanted to get rid of it. I just basically put it up for the shipping cost with free shipping, mm-hmm. and then just let the bids go from there. So I I did that. Um, I got ri- I did the same thing with my Atari twenty six hundred carts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kept only like the ones that I really 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 love and things that I had as a kid. I want I kept for sentimental reasons. So mm-hmm. now my entire video game cartridge collection now fits on three shelves that are mounted on the in this room uh, behind me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. Like I have um, two more Atari seventy eight hundreds. One as a backup. One I forgot why. And a Sears Heavy Sixer. Because I love, mm-hmm. I love the Sears Heavy Sixer. It's gorgeous. That's the my first Atari. I have a Commodore sixty four that I don't do anything with. I have mm-hmm. that Atari six hundred XL that I traded you traded uh, I got from you in a trade. That mm-hmm. I have that's hardly been doing anything with. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I have this Mister. I have the Mister device, which is a small thing, and that's what I'm going to. If if there's anything I can't do on an Atari. 2600 or 7800 it'll be on the mister or the gpdxd handheld and one of the things that i want to do i want to play through all of the sonic games i, I want to do that because I, I liked i liked sonic and sonic 2 on the sega genesis and i'd love to i just want to extend my reach and see what all those other sonic games are like like especially sonic spinball i never really played that Mm-hmm. And check out the other versions of the original Sonic the Hedgehog, like on the Game Gear. I know that was kind of different. Um, I played that a few times before. 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, that version of Sonic the Hedgehog is the same one as the Sega Master System version. That's what I would think, because it's basically, it's essentially the the same hardware. Yeah, exactly. It's very easy to, in fact, I got a whole set of uh, games that were ported from the Game Gear to the Master System on my uh, EverDrive for that thing. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's that more, I believe it, it pretty much is. There's very little difference other than the form factor between the two units. And by the way, that goal does include playing the uh, 3D arcade game at some point. You haven't played it yet? No. Mm-mm. Really? I've played it a few times over at, uh, at the Ghost. Here's a hint. It uses a trackball. That's right. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it'd probably be kind of hard to emulate. Yeah. But other other than that, I um I haven't really been doing much gaming. I haven't been to the Underground Retrocade in a while either, which is a shame. And I yeah. probably I don't I, I try to go at least once a month, and I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it out this month. We'll see. We might, yeah. I might be able to. But, I want to make it out, but my work hours just make it really hard yeah. to do it on any time except for every other on Saturdays and every other Sunday. Yeah, you're pretty honking far from there too. From pretty much everything. Well, that's true. Not as yeah. bad as when I was in Kankakee, but I am, you know. Yeah. Well, at least in Kankakee, you're, you're really close to an express. Well, then again, you're not far from Interstate 80, but that doesn't really, that, that only goes east and west. It doesn't take you to the places like north. Yeah, uh, I have to pretty much get on. I mean, I could go to 355, and but I'd be backtracking west to go to, to Retrocade, so it's just easiest just to do a straight shot up Route 47. Yeah. Yeah. This and- has been Jim's Geography Corner. Everything you say is Jim's Geography Corner, pretty much. Not that yeah, that's a much. bad thing, mind you. I, I love geography, too. Uh, but yeah, and the thing is, like, I got a, I bought a year pass for Underground Retrocade, and uh, I want to use it. I want to freaking use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, sure. It's a 10-entry punch card. Like, you, they punch it every time you go in. And then af- if you use up those 10 entries before the expiration date, then your admission after that is reduced. It's either $10 or maybe even $5. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. I hope to find out. I hope I'll be there enough to find out. Because <laughs> all this time I'm thinking, man, I'm an adult. I can play all the arcade games I want now. I couldn't when I was nine years old. Nine years old, I can only go once a month. Uh, yeah, now that I'm 46, I'm still only going once a month. <laughs> so, <laughs> But at least, at least there's MAME. At least there's MAME. That there is. That there is. So... I am. You are. I am trying to figure out a good segue here. Well, here's a good segue. How about we open Sean's drinking arena? Direct to the point. I like it. Oh, thank you. And if I haven't done this before, well, even if I have done this before, but I don't remember doing it before, but allow me to take this time to thank you for allowing me to do this segment in your video game podcast here, even though it's not about video games. And especially, well, actually, in a way it is. Because the first such segment, I kind of, I pretty much stole this from you. Okay. Because you were the one who was started doing um, videos of drinking weird exotic pops yeah. or sodas or mm-hmm. tonics for you uh, New Englanders, and I kind of stole that concept. And and Our I believe for people in the South that are wrong. Yeah. And I do believe that the first time you did that was at Midwest Gaming Classic. So there is kind of that connection there. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yes. Yes, yes, Now, yes. I will show you what I have here for Sean's Drinking Arena. See this bottle? I have my uh, webcam on for those of you I who... Turn it. Turn it. I can barely... I can't, I can't see the, the full label. Turn it. No, no, no. Other direction. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I need to see the label. Turn it, turn it. A little more, a little more, a little more. Boom, there. Holy crap. That can't be real. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say what it is. You spoil it, not me. Okay. Uh, this is from the same place I would get the Lester's Fixins drinks. I was there today to see if they had anything new, and I don't know if this is new or I just never noticed it, but it's a brand called um, WT Heck. And, Gee, uh, I wonder what that means. Yeah, I, I don't know, Davey. But Wilbur Thomas Heck. Hmm. I went to school with somebody whose last name was Heck. Hmm. I used to live on Heck Avenue. I wonder if there's a Heck Avenue in Hell, Michigan. For the discerning drinker, it says here. And this particular flavor of WT Heck sodas, spaghetti. Ah! Spaghetti. And here's okay. something else. Here's something interesting I discovered. Spoiler alert, there's going to be at least one more Sean's Drinking Arena in the next several episodes. Because while I was there, I saw... Now, I had heard before, I think people have asked me, hey, have you ever tried that blue cheese soda? And I was like, I've never even uh, seen the blue cheese soda. I saw it today. Uh, it is another WT Heck drink. I don't like blue cheese normally anyway, so that's one I'd never try. Hmm. If I have blue cheese, it's got to be with something else. Like, I don't mind it on hot wings, for example. But I just can't do mold cheeses. Like but, your Rogue Flirt, your uh, Blues, all your cheeses are mold, though. Not the ones that keep the mold in it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Or I hear what you're saying, actually. But yeah, this is oh, this is not a Rocket Fizz soda. So that's uh, something there. Actually, there's a little bit more. I'll pour it in the glass. Uh, it might be a little bit watered down because I poured this into a glass with a couple of ices in it um, before we started recording. Now, I'm going to take a little sip of it here. Hmm. Okay. All right, I'm just going to spoil right now. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, I don't think. Okay. If you were to give this to me in a blind taste test, spaghetti would never cross my mind. And given that it's red, this is a red soda effect here. Let me turn on my camera again so you can see that it is indeed red. So. And you have it in your Chicago cup? Yep, I love this black glass. Yep. And um, if you were to ask me what flavor this is, I would probably say sporting equipment at first, and then after you swirl it around in your mouth, those candy hearts with those abbreviated messages on it that says, like, love you and, like, eat grass and things, you know? And once that fades away, it's back to sporting equipment. Mm-hmm. Like rubber-based sporting equipment, like maybe a brand-new unused football or basketball. Honestly, it's not bad. I was really thinking that I would need to run back to the kitchen and get a regular drink to just wash it all out with, but no, this is fine. I'm this this is actually pretty good. I actually enjoy it, but I would never ever call it spaghetti. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, what was it going with the red drink? Yeah, the red drink kind of made me think that they want you to think that it's going to taste like spaghetti with some kind of sauce on it, some kind of marinara sauce maybe. But no, I don't taste it. I don't taste it. Huh. I wonder what a, a straight-up tomato-flavored soda would would taste like. Hmm. Is there such a thing? I'm sure there's got to be by somebody. I don't know, but I think that would probably not be too bad. Okay, now that now that my it's been out of my mouth for a little bit, I can almost yes. kind of taste like a kind of tomato saucy, almost aftertaste to it. Kind of. But not bad. Not bad. Okay, there is a tomato soda. Well, there's carbonated tomato juice. It's not the same. No. Um. Oh, dude. Speaking of tomato, 
I forgot to tell you. I meant to tell you like two or three episodes ago. Oh, there was a Heinz tomato ketchup soda was the operative word. So I continue. Last time I was at Superdog, actually, actually second to last time I was at Superdog. Love Superdog. I actually tried the pickled tomato. I thought you. Oh, I green, thought you'd be the proud green of pickled me. tomatoes. Yeah, because yeah. like, I usually don't think? eat tomato because it's just way too acidic for my for my liking. Sure, it's really freaking good. And I, I love no how regrets. crunchy they are. Yeah, I love the crunch, and they're just, they're, those are very good. Mm. Now I want a super dog. That's a good like sixty mile drive from me. Super dog is probably the best hot dog I've ever had. I actually prefer the Vienna beef dogs, but Super Dog does make a good hot dog. I usually get a super cheesy there. I thought they used uh No, they use their own formula, I think. Oh really? Yeah. It's good. I would I I would never unrecommend it. I just prefer Vienna beef, but I love Vienna beef. Super Dog I usually get the super cheesy, which is a cheeseburger. It's really good. In Chicago, in the Chicago area, Chicago is a Vienna beef town no matter what it is. Hot dogs, and then of course they make the Italian beef. Polish sausage. Chicago's a Vienna town. I have Polish today. Ooh, really? Yep. And I forgot nice. to put celery salt on it. Uh-oh. So I'm looking up here on Super Dogs website to see if they, what? Yep, it is their own, uh, it is their own uh, hot dog. Huh. Interesting. They got two locations to serve you. Milwaukee Avenue at Devon and Nagel in Chicago and Milwaukee Avenue in Wheeling. Oh, both are on uh, Milwaukee Avenue. That's nice. Yep. Just get on Milwaukee Avenue when you're in Chicago, and yep. you'll eventually hit one. Yep, the one in Wheeling is bigger. That's the one I've been to. Yeah, that's a new one, too. They only opened that one up, of like, probably about five years ago. But Really? Or five to ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's pretty new. Okay, now i got to see which one I visited, then, because this one I went to was pretty old. They both look alike, but the one in Wheeling is much bigger, and they actually host, like, cruise nights and things. They can't do that at the one in Chicago. Yeah, it's right along the Des Plaines River. I was at the Wheeling one. It's right next to Bob Chin's Crab House. Mm. Was it that one or maybe no, maybe it was the Chicago one? Hold on. Milwaukee and Devon. Yeah, Milwaukee and Devon is the, is the one is the Chicago one. No, it was definitely it was definitely the one in Wheeling cuz I remember the the Des Plaines River right behind it. Here we go back into geography. Oh, this tasted like tomato for sure. Yes, it was definitely this one cuz yeah, I remember it being right next to Bob Chin's. So it was the wheeling one. Both locations have giant wieners on the roof. One is dressed yep. in like a loincloth, and the other one has a bow and a, and a, a blue skirt. Yep, Maury and Flory. So, Maury, oh, is that their names? Yep, they oh, are I hot dog that. representations of the founders. Oh, okay. So yeah, just look for the big wieners when you come to Chicago, you run into Sean and I. I mean, in, no. in the Superdog. <laughs> you see what I did there. Yeah, you made a so, grammar uh, mistake, yeah. Yeah, see, there we go. So, um, yes, speaking about being stubborn, you said your dad was stubborn. (laughs) So anyway, with all of that out of the way, shall we close Sean's drinking arena and hot dog, uh, (laughs) and hot dog corner? (laughs) You can't corner our hot dogs. So that means, I think that sounds a little dirty. So let's just move on, shall we? Yeah. We realize that we haven't done a special episode in quite some time, so we decided to do one this week. Ooh. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and then I told Sean that uh, we were going to do one. So, yeah. so we were. This is something we've been talking about for a while. If we could have, like, ten games. If we were on a desert island that had desert a snack island? bar, and a desert island that had a snack bar and electricity and uh, cruise ships coming up all the time, 
and a full buffet and a hotel, luxury hotel, and had a bridge to the mainland. What 10 arcade games would we want to have with us? And um, we invited our uh, patrons to provide lists of what they would have. And uh, we only had, uh, we only had, a uh, well, let's put it this way. If anybody wants to send in a submission for next week's episode, maybe an audio submission, maybe an email, we'll read yours as well. But uh, yeah, the patrons, they got first jump on this. Yes. And that's the important part. So uh, we will have an email to read about that. Uh, should we do that first or should we do that after we've listed our games? I think we should wait to read them. Yeah. Uh, did we get any feedback from anybody we should address? Should we? I'm surprised we didn't hear from uh, Eugenio. I'm not because the, yeah, I, I have a feeling he's been pretty busy. What with uh, being a doctor and yeah, stuff, that's and true. probably that's shooting true. people with a needle. That is, I don't mean like with a. He, the thing is, okay, the the explanation you just gave, like, really, really throws off my my whole scenario, though. Your scenario, because the scenario I had in mind was okay, ten arcade games that I could have in my finished basement if I had a finished basement. That's how I approached it. So. Our lists might have a totally different vibe. I think it doesn't matter. Hmm. Doesn't matter. So, shall we begin? Yeah, we shall. But uh, did we mention, like, the uh, disclaimers, such as uh, we are assuming that maintenance and other costs are not an issue, that we can afford the maintenance and upkeep? Uh, if something goes out, we can have it fixed and all that. And and something that has multiple games doesn't count because yes. I, I consider that cheating. So no multi, uh, what, are, what do they call them? Multi, uh, multi-game cabinets, no Play Choice 10s, no Versus yeah. cabinets, no Nintendo Red 10s, unfortunately, even though I would, would definitely have one of those. But the fact oh, that yeah. it's a two-game two game thing uh, doesn't fit the theme of the list. Yeah, and especially, and none of that stuff where people can cram two different, like boards from two different games into the same cabinet and switch between them. Right. No, mm-hmm. we, because we could just go crazy with that there, and that's not the uh, the idea. I've got a cabinet with 500 games in it. That's all I want. Yeah, no, people do make those things. So uh, there was one, that, what was it, Chicago, what was the name of the company? Chicago. Was it Chicago Amusement, was it? They actually made an officially licensed Atari slash Taito uh, arcade cabinet years back. It was oh. like 2000 two bucks, and it had, uh, I don't remember if it had a spinner, but I know it had a trackball and a joystick, and it had like Crystal Castles and Tempest and Jungle King, junk, or was it Jungle Hunt, and uh, Elevator Action hmm. and Asteroids, and it was a, if I had the money, that thing, I would have snapped that up because... Like I said, it was officially licensed. Ah. And so Chicago Arcade uh, cabinet manufacturer that created it, and I really wanted one. I'm trying yeah. to remember the place I saw it. It's uh, it's one of those uh, places that sell, like, pool tables and, and like, stuff for your patio oh, yeah. and lawn, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You know, it's the rich person's toy store, I guess, is a way of putting it. Hmm. I would love to have a pool table, but oh. I suck at it, but. Well, that's funny you should mention that because I had a couple of little features to my uh, finished basement arcade, and one of them was a pool table. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I love I love playing pool. I, I really do. I just don't go to pool places, that's all. I would definitely have that, maybe a few pinball machines, but again, that was outside the scope of today's yeah. episode. Well, yeah, I mean, it's still, I figured, hey, we might as well just add a few features because you know just throwing 10 games into your basement isn't gonna be the same as say like giving it that that vibe you know like Mm -hmm. i for example like i'm looking at my list right now i have bugs bunny's birthday ball Mm because hey i i own the manual thanks to you 
so I might as well have a yep. pinball machine go with it. So there we go. Mm-hmm. I'm also considering air hockey at the very least, maybe air handball. Oh, definitely an air hockey table. I would definitely have an air hockey table if I had the room. I know my wife would be up for that because uh, we do, we do the air hockey. Like if if we're in New Jersey and we're on the boardwalk at Seaside Heights, we play air mm-hmm. hockey. Definitely going to have some kind of media player. Could be a jukebox, ideally, no, no, ideally, or maybe even just a modern day computer loaded up with all kinds of tunes. What I would probably do is I would have a jukebox, but somehow put like a a Raspberry Pi in there with a hard drive so that uh, I could just keep all my tunes on there. Yeah, that's a great uh, idea. Oh, dude. If I could figure out how to do it. Micro Center was giving away Raspberry Pis. Today was the expert. Yeah, there. I I caught one of their ads on Facebook. Hey, free Raspberry Pi. What model was it? Um, I don't remember off the top of my. Oh, you know, what? probably Actually, the zero. It the might zero have been. is the cheapest. I think that's like five bucks. Oh, okay. So then I'm not really. The whole thing is like today was the expiration date on the coupon. And mm-hmm. my wife was actually out today and she went to the same shopping plaza that has Micro Center. And if I had known, I would have sent her the coupon and said, hey, can you run in and get this for me? But I totally forgot. But the thing is, I don't need yet more stuff that I'm going to forget about. Right. But yeah, and it now occurs to me, my, my jukebox would have the capability of playing seven inch vinyl or polystyrene because mm. I have a lot of singles in my record collection. The problem is it's a pain in the butt to have to change the record every two to four minutes, you know, mm-hmm. True. so figured, True. Hey, a jukebox will solve that problem. So yeah. And also I would probably, probably, but not, it, it, this would be a nice to have, but not a requirement. One of those sliding puck bowling games. Oh, yeah. I like those. Yeah, if I could get a, my hands on one, I'd get that air handball game that they had at Pixel Blast. Yeah. R.I.P. Pixel Blast. Yeah. And all the games would be elevated by about 10 inches for two reasons. Number one, I'm tall. Same here. Yeah. And yeah, I, I imagine you too, because you're like eight feet taller than me. <laughs> and I'm tall as it is. And number two, the basement's going to flood. There's no, there's mm, no yeah. question about it. Yeah. So you want you, to keep that stuff off. Yeah. Elevate your stuff you know, to avoid damage if at all possible. It's just a fact of life. You have a basement, it's going to flood someday. I'd try to find a way to keep anything I get upstairs because, quite frankly, I don't want to move these things up and downstairs. Well, that so, too. Although I would not put them in the garage because a garage is just as reliable as a basement. So, how about you? Would there be any other, like, kind of ambient, ambient, ambient things that you would stick in your. Desert Island Arcade, as it were. Eh, popcorn machine, maybe. Ooh. Cotton candy machine, definitely. I would want a popcorn machine on the condition that I would have the same exact kind of popcorn that they have in movie theaters. Yeah. With the uh, artificial butter. And, uh... Sometimes it's real, though. I think, um... Hmm. Hmm. If I had a large, a large area, I'd get one real bowling lane, but yeah, that's not happening. You'd have to be rich for that. Yep. You know, there's a bowling alley in the in the White House. Yeah, Richard Nixon had it put in, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was a bowling freak, hmm. which I can kind of see. I don't know what else I would have. Well, I mean, obviously, you'd have a TV and entertainment center down there too. Probably, but... Yeah, probably a nicely. Like, yeah, like I don't know. I don't know if I would bring any console games down there though. Yeah, yeah, that's... I would restrict that to like the living room or something. Yeah, yeah, not even like how I think Pixel Blast is doing. I think there's an arcade in uh, Aurora where they have like kind of arcade style consoles mm-hmm. set up. I didn't think that they opened. They were originally supposed to open that in Shorewood, I think. Hmm. They're 
uh, was it arcade eight one five eight one six? I like think that. yeah. Yeah, I don't For think like they ever officially opened. They were going to, they were trying uh, to, but they, I don't think they ever did. Hmm. And and I just now thought I should probably have a video jukebox, just like they had at Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall, loaded up with some eighties videos. They yeah, they don't really have uh, don't really have anything listed on their website as to being open. They're building the cabinets. They were going to do that, but uh, I don't think they have yet. Hmm. But they used to have uh, one of them at the, as we were seeing at Pixel Blast. Yeah. So they would rotate it out. Yeah. Periodically. So, any rate. So, with that having been said, yes. let's uh, get on to our lists. Oh, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, one thing we had, I had uh, suggested after we originally uh, threw this idea out on the last episode of Pie Factory Podcast which I hope you're listening to right now and don't have on in the background as background noise. Since that episode, I decided we should probably have five uh, honorable mentions or runners-up games that we would like to have if maybe we have a little more room than than we were originally thinking. So I'm going to get to my five runner-ups, okay. and then we'll, we'll do yours. Uh, my first runner-up is, well, they're in no particular order, but the first one I have at the starting at the bottom of the list is Asteroids Deluxe. Mm. I wanted to get an Asteroids-type game on my list. It was between this and another one. I decided to put this one as the honorable mention. My next one on my list is the Star Wars Arcade by Atari, which I love the game, but I... mm, I don't know. Just not enough to make it in my top ten. Yeah, I I know. I I had the same thing, too. It's not on my honorable mentions, but... Xenophobe is the next one. I love the game, but again, it's one that... Just didn't make it in my top. Sure. Robotron is next. Uh, hold it. Here we go. This week in Robotron. All right. I wanted to have at least one, maybe two Williams games on oh. my main ten, even though one isn't really a Williams game. Hint, hint. And so Robotron just barely misses the my top ten. And my one that uh, I probably could squeeze in my top ten, but... I mean, it's just so close to not making it. It's Tron. Hmm. If I could shrink all of the cabinets down by an inch or two, I would put a Tron cabinet in my my top ten arcade, but uh, it just barely missed my uh, top ten. Would it be the uh, standard? Did they only come out in standard upright? Well, there there was a handful of cocktail Tron units. Okay. Which I've actually, I told that story, how I actually, guy that was just a few miles from me that I went to high school with uh, had one. And if yeah. I had, like, the 500 bucks he was asking for it, I would have picked that sucker up real quick. Mm. I don't know if they had an environmental. That's a good question. This is probably all answered in uh, the episode in which we talked about the game. Because it was so freaking long ago, and we don't... Li- I don't know about you, but I don't listen to old episodes of our podcast, so... I do every now and then. I had a little bit of an overlap with that, and that Asteroids Deluxe was in my... The way I saw the honorable mentions for me was that, well... I always want to have 10. So if mm-hmm. something goes out and needs to be repaired, I'm going to replace it with something that's going to be off to the side, uh, like in storage. Asteroids Deluxe would be one of them. That is my favorite of the Asteroids quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. There, actually, was there any, th- any other things in the Asteroids line besides Deluxe, Asteroids, uh, Space Duel, and uh, Blasteroids? Or is that pretty much it? I think that's it. Okay, yeah. Now, that's... I, w- I will say, even though Asteroids Deluxe made my honorable mention, if it wasn't arcade cabinet, the Atari 7800 version of Asteroids would be in my oh, top Oh, yeah, 10. yeah. I love me I'm, that. The more I play that version of Asteroids, 
the more I think that that's probably the best game on the console. Really? Sometimes, sometimes I think it's even better than Food Fight. It's certainly one of my favorites. I would love for that game to be made into a deluxe. Yes. Oh, God. Well... There is there, a, there, there have been some hacks. There uh, is a, that, there is a Asteroids Deluxe homebrew, but it's it's vector graphics like. Mm-hmm, it's not yep. the three uh, D rotating. That would be there awesome. is there is a Asteroids Deluxe hack of it. There's also some, uh, uh, Bob T. Crescenzo also hacked it into Space Duel, with yeah. the exception of the tethered ships, which he just couldn't get. Yeah. figure the f- physics out on that. So Asteroids Deluxe is in mine. Um, Zookeeper. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I've been, for the past few years, I've been obsessing over Mr. Do, and uh, I think Zookeeper is going to be my next obsession. <laughs> so I want to mm-hmm. keep that kind of off to the side in case my uh, basement Mr. Do ever breaks down. So I'll send that out for repair and bring in uh, Zookeeper. Mm-hmm. That's the plan there. By the way, the, the honorable mentions that I'm talking about, that my temporary replacements, all full upright cabinets, and they're not cocktails, such as Centipede. Oh, yeah, that's something else. None of my cabinets are anything but the straight-up regular-sized ah, regular okay. cabinets. Mind you, I'm no just cabarets, talking... No cabarets, no cocktails, no environmentals. Although one game, if I have the room, I would take the, the environmental. Oh, but, I think uh, I know it's, where it's, that's, that's going. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm only speaking about my five uh, honorable mentions replacements. Uh, those are all full upright. Centipede full upright. Uh, I do not like the cabaret centipede. It just looks kind of hacky to me. I mean, it's a, it's legitimate and it play and it's the same play and everything. It just it just looks thrown together. I I, I just don't like the the cabaret. So I got to go with the full upright for centipede. Uh, Ms. Pac-Man got to go with that and i'll tell you why it's because i want to be able to have a ms pac-man ready in case another game goes bad and this would be a a standard speed ms pac-man not hacked with the speed up chip because i suck at the uh, uh, basically the pac-man games that don't have the speed up option i suck at i really do i can't play junior pac-man very well i can't play ms pac-man very on a standard three lives plus bonus, regular difficulty, Ms. Pac-Man, normal speed, I cannot get to the fourth maze. Hmm. I can get to the banana. I can get a mm-hmm. screen or two past it, but I can never reach the fourth not? maze. I can't. Huh. So I, I'd want to practice. I want to have a, a, something to practice with. So yeah, Centipede, Asteroids Deluxe, Ms. Pac-Man, Zookeeper. And of course, I have to have this. And I'm disappointed that it, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's in your top 10, but this has to be somewhere. Tinkle Pit. Period. I don't have it anywhere. <sighs> I don't know you. Yeah, I I don't have it anywhere on here. That or Uncle Pooh. Well, I have to, because remember, we're trying to make Tinkle Pit a household name. And what better way right. to make it a household name than to have it in your household? You know what? I'll make, I'll make one exception for a doable cabinet, and that would be Uncle Pooh and Tinkle Pit. Okay. All right, I I might be able to accept that. That will be number. That will be honorary number eleven. Okay. That, you know what? That would be such a special cabinet that it, it's assumed to already be in our arcade, and the other ten games are just the supporting cast. Hmm. So hey, so supporting cast su- is a cast too. So don't diss them. Just oh, a supporting I'm not, cast. I'm not. But I'm saying, you know, the Uncle Pooh Tinkle Pit dual cabinet is like the crown jewel of the collection. Hmm. And it just goes without mention that we would have it. Okay, so I shouldn't have mentioned it then. 
Damn straight. Oh, sorry. Darn skippy. So is that all for your uh, honorable mentions there that, then? That's my, that's my honorable mentions is. Okay. Well, let's get on to our top 10. Now, mine are not in order, the exception of the top three. Yeah. I do not have any order whatsoever. Because there's one game I just decided that I like more than every other game on the list. And it's even upset a couple that I've previously said are my uh, my favorites. But after playing them for a while, um, we get, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, okay. So the first one I have, my number 10, is Moon Patrol. Okay, I was going to guess that was going to be there somewhere. Yes, Moon Patrol. Love this game. I set my personal best actually at um, Pixel Blast, if I'm not mistaken, of like 76, 78,000 points. And um, I couldn't ha- imagine having an arcade, a home arcade, without at least Moon Patrol hmm. on mine. So uh, how about you? Uh, how about me? I don't I don't usually go. It's, it's, I mean, Moon Patrol is a great game. I totally see anybody having that among their top anything. It's a great game. It's just not my thing, though. Uh, by the way, that's my Williams, but not yeah, really Williams. That's uh, what I figured. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Really, the thing I like most about Moon Patrol is the music, because I kind of like that bluesy, kind of groovy kind of vibe going on. But uh, my number 10, again, this I'm not. This is not a rank or anything. Tubin. We have not discussed really? it on the podcast yet. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we didn't say that we couldn't put games on here we haven't talked about. Of course. Yet. Yeah, I have a couple that we haven't talked about. Tubin so. is on our list. We just haven't figured out what yeah. to pair it up with yet. I, I really enjoy I think it was Logan Hardware where I first played this uh, probably about 10 years ago. And it's just a unique gameplay. Just everything about it is, is uh, different and interesting. You're swimming, not swimming, you're rafting down a river and collecting in things a, and avoiding obstacles. You're in a tube. You're in a tube. In a hence tube. the name Tubin. Yeah. And uh, you basically have four buttons to press. Each of those four buttons corresponds to a limb. Or does it actually no? Uh, does it correspond to it? Oh, I don't think so. I think it just corresponds. There's like uh, forward and backward for each hand. That's what it is. Are you sure? Hmm. Yeah, because you I'll can look it up. you can swim in, or not swim, but you can control. You can uh, move your t- your inner tube forwards and backwards, and so you have a left hand forward, left hand backward, a right hand forward, right hand backward. Oh, okay. And the gameplay is just so fat because like, I think there are, you can throw things at the enemies and the enemies can throw things at you. And it's just such a creative title. And so I think it's well done. It's really, really hard to, to figure out at first, but you know, it's, it's fun trying and having a Tubin that I have access to whenever I want would certainly give me that opportunity to figure it out and build up the muscle memory that I can actually play a competent game of it. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I have my opinions on that game. I've only played it a couple of times because it just didn't look like it was something that I'd be interested in. I need to have more experience with it, and hopefully that'll happen before we finally talk about it. But suffice it to say, so far, I well, I have played it in the arcade in the past. So far, I'm not really impressed with it. But uh, like I said, I do have to play it some more. So we'll get to that. Mm. My number nine, and I'm kind of surprised that it's not in my top few, but like I said... The exception of my top three, the list is pretty much they're they're not it's not a rank. My next one on my list is Tapper. Oh, that's a good choice. That is easily the best fast action game in the arcade, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's not really the way to put it. It's easily the best fast action game, uh, and it's very addicting. It's 
it's one of the few non-racing games where you can feel like adrenaline pumping through your veins because it's like, come on, I got to get these out fast, fast before these other guys, these uh, these other guys pop up and the other guys pop up. Oh shit, now I got to deal with that. And then you're like going all up and down the bars trying to get everybody out. Hmm. It's like you get real feelings. You, like I said, you get the adrenaline, you get anxiety because you don't want more customers to yeah. pop up. And I think <laughs> and, uh, I got a feeling there's a pattern to every level. There's got to be something. I don't know if there's a pattern or if it's just completely random, but um, this is one of those games that you really can never tire of. It never gets old. And uh, it doesn't hurt that, uh, in my opinion, the Atari 2600 version of it, which I do own, is a fairly faithful representation of the arcade game. It's only missing. I've heard that a certain podcast we listen to might be covering that sometime this coming summer. So uh, just... My dad wrote a porno is going to be covering that? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, actually, no, it's going to be This Week in Potatoes is going to cover it. I've not heard an episode of that. You have to uh, send me a link. Well, well, we definitely will have to do that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Tapper is the next one on my list. And I cannot see an arcade, especially if you have a bar in your arcade without that particular game. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly about Tapper, except for one thing. Like, that's hmm. one of those games that I love and I really get into the gameplay of it. But if I get far enough in it and I totally wipe out and I'm dead. I don't want to play it again for a while because it's like, man, I got to start all the way yeah, over. True. But yeah, thing, I get that. But thing is, it is very creative. It's fun gameplay. I agree about the Atari 2600. That's a really well done version. I think the only thing it's really missing is the tipping, the tip money. Tips on the bar. And because of the, the hardware architecture, you can only have like two beers on the, uh, the bar at any given time. Oh. But, uh, but other than that, it's it's really surprisingly good. And you have are there to... other arcade ports on the twenty six hundred that are better? Sure, but for just for the sheer audacity of them trying to port a game as complex as Tapper. What'd you do? Just look at your computer screen for a word to come up with? Ha 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 ha! I see what you did there. You are correct, sir. Oh ho 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 ho! But yeah, I mean the fact that they tried to put that in the twenty six hundred. And succeeded to the degree that they did yeah. is enough to make it, in my opinion, the best arcade translation on the, on the 2600. I would love to see it on the 7800. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing about Tapper in your arcade. <gasps> oh, oh, hold on. Huh? A Tapper port for the 7800 that has a um, joystick coupler. So you can use one to move and the oh. other for the tap. Oh, and, uh, the, or you can use a Edladen twin stick. Or Super you could twin. do that. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, somebody get on that. Yeah. Yeah. I already have too many projects and hobbies and stuff. I'm not <laughs> going to learn 7800 programming, although I tried. But yeah. And dude, when you have your arcade that has Tapper in it, you have to make sure that the side art is visible on that thing. Oh, heck yeah. Because it's gorgeous side art. And make sure that the, uh, the brass bar on the bottom isn't broken. Yeah. yeah. You have to have that on the thing and preferably get the one with the, the actual full taps, like the original run of the game. Yeah. We're assuming that that's that pretty much what you described is what you're going to have anyway. Right. So you want the, yeah. If you're going to have a home arcade, you're going to want the best you can get. Yeah. You want that bar because that is such a gorgeous cabinet. Unlike my number nine, which is Mr. Do exclamation point simply because I'm real. That game sucks me in so much. I'm really into the gameplay. I think I might have mentioned last time we talked that I recently finally broke 400,000 on that. 
took me forever to, to learn how to do that, and I haven't been able to duplicate it since. Uh, it's rare that I can get 300,000 too. But mm-hmm. this is something I have to have in my home arcade. And here's this is getting a little bit specific, but I don't care. The Mr. Do at Underground Retrocade on the, oh, I suddenly can't, on the marquee, there's a disclaimer on there. I haven't seen this on other instances of Mr. Do, but there's a disclaimer on the marquee that's really threatening. It says something about how, uh, uh, th- oh, you know what? Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I will find out exactly what it says. Okay, yeah, here's what it says on Underground Retrocades. I don't want to say copy because it's not a copy, but you know what I mean. On their cabinet of Mr. Do, right before the title, it says, Licensor reserves the right to inspect this machine anytime. That still gets me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so scared. I've seen that on other games, I I think, mainly Universal games. Like, I think I saw that on a Ladybug somewhere, too. If those games are universal, they would be on other planets. That is so true. Yeah. But I would, have to have, I would have to have Mr. Do. I can see that. And I'm just going to say this now, and I mean this in the best way possible. I hope Phil's not listening right now. Uh-oh. I will always prefer this over Dick Doug. Come on. This is so frustrating. You don't do that. I will. I would have to agree with Phil on this one. I think I prefer Dick Doug over this, which means I don't hate Mr. Do. But I prefer Dig Dug. It's just, you know, I think it's simpler and a more, I don't know. Because I, I go a back to Dig Dug and, the, experience. and I go back to Dig Dug in the animation and Dig Dug is pretty choppy compared to uh, that of Mr. Do. But that, that's just yeah, this guy's opinion. I don't opinion. agree with that. But, but what the we heck? will continue on. We, we shall continue. Oh, holy crap. I just noticed a huge omission from my list. Oh, is it something you can uh, modify? I'm going to modify it right now. In fact, it's going to be my next one. Okay. Okay. So take it away. I originally had Qberts for my next one, but I'm going to add that to my honorable mentions. So I have six honorable mentions now. Oh boy. The game I'm replacing it with, and I can't believe I missed this one, Tempest. I, yeah, I was going to say. I don't, didn't have Tempest on my list. I have it now. And I hate to have knocked Qbert off because I love Qbert. Well, yeah. But I have to put Tempest on my list somewhere. Color vector graphic games are a weakness of mine. Hmm. And thinking of which, there's another game on here I missed, but I'm not going to change for that one. Uh, like Tempest, Black Widow, which didn't make my list. A few others, which I'm not going to say because it'll give up. <laughs> one that's on my list. And then, of course, the, the if you really want to talk about zoning out, Tempest is a game you can do it with because the, the control scheme is just so simple. You just got the dial, fire, and a super zap. If you're really good at this game, you can zone out easily with all of the colors. It's like a drug trip, except you pay hmm. only a quarter for it. There you go. And it's uh, got shares a lineage with another game that's on my list. Oh, okay. And uh, we've <laughs> people who listen to the podcast probably know which one I'm talking about. Hmm, but, what um, could it be? And Tempest, you know, you can't have an arcade at all without Tempest because one of the first things I notice when I go into an arcade is the sounds. You can't see the faces of the machines or the screens, really not even the uh, side art in many cases, but you can hear everything. And you know a Tempest machine from like 30 feet away. You can hear one of those from a long ways away. And um, 
To me, the sound of a Tempest machine is the epitome of what an arcade should sound like. Hmm. And so you have to have Tempest on your list, and I have it on mine. Speaking of which, did, I don't know if you knew about this, but apparently there is a regular customer at Underground Retrocade mm-hmm. who is blind, and he goes there for the sounds. Really? Yeah. Like that doesn't he, surprise me. Like he, I, I guess he lost his sight at some point mm-hmm. in his life, and he's like, oh, I remember this game, yeah, and there's Tron. I, I, I loved that game when I was a kid. And- I don't remember where I saw this interview, but there was an interview with Frank Zappa, and they were talking about video games, and he was like, whenever he would go to the airport, he would bring a tape recorder into the arcade because he thought that the the sound, the cacophony of different games being played was just amazing, and he loved every minute of everything he was hearing. I got, you know, I'm going to look to see if I can find that up. I know that you can actually buy audio compilations just yes. of arcade, like Goat Store, that's run by the same people who run Midwest Gaming Classic. They sell a few of those CDs. And uh, I might link that in the show notes. Uh, I just got an email from Goat Store saying they're going to be redoing their entire website. So uh, I may or may not be putting a link there. And they said, so if if you want to use your account, use it now because everything's getting wiped clean. We're rebuilding from the ground up. So, Mm -hmm. Okay, this was an interview with Frank Zappa in uh, Joystick Magazine 1983. Hmm. Okay, why do you consent to this interview? Because I don't have anything against video games, and I do have something against people who keeps kids from playing them. Ooh, do you ever play nice. them? No, but I love to listen to them. I like rooms full of that sound. It's a very interesting environment. When I was coming back from my European tour, I had a layover in New York. I went into the video game room at the airport and walked around with a tape recorder recording the whole room going at once. Then I listened to it on earphones on the plane home. It was great, but I'm not interested in pluking buttons and blowing things up. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. To be fair, that sounds like something Zappa would say. Yeah. Frank Zappa? That's Frank Zappa. He's like the the most libertarian, free market capitalist, anti-douchebag celebrity that's ever been. Yeah. uh, Speaking of which, I got to tell you, um, some years ago when I uh, signed up for a Demento Society membership, I just put a little note in there saying, hey, uh, talking about how... um, just how how bizarre his interview with Brian Wilson was once on the Dr. Demento show. And he wrote, mm-hmm. he responded to that when I get the membership kit. He said, yeah, it's interesting that Brian Wilson, who's like a serious musician, come, like we have such a zany interview with him, yet our interviews with Frank Zappa were always the most serious thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Quite weird. But yeah. Um, uh, should I carry on with my uh, number eight? Sure thing, wayward son. Okay. My number eight is also a vector game, but it's not a color vector, uh, well, unless you count the overlay. Mm-hmm. And that is armor dot 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 attack. I kind of figured you were going to put that one on there. Yeah, I have a soft spot for these uh, vector games by uh, Cinematronics. There's a cinema mm-hmm. Cinematronics, yeah. Cinema Cinemaware was the the PC game company. Yes, yes. And you have to say Cinematronics. You have to like be really fast. You can't just say Cinematronics. Cinematronics. Like nature doesn't allow people to say Cinematronics. Say that fast three it times. has to be Cinematronics. That that that. The gameplay there's something that I like about tanks in a maze, and I don't quite know what it is. Like I love the equivalent level in Tron. Mm-hmm. Even though if I go beyond, say, the second level, I suck at it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about I just I kind of love ducking behind corners and shooting tanks from uh, and and it, 
Somehow you can shoot airplanes and tanks at the same level, but we'll get to that in a future episode, I'm sure. But I just love armor dot, 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 attack. Cool gameplay, fun gameplay. It's got really good sound, too, given the the relatively primitive game that it is. Mm -hmm. I might take the liberty of somehow modifying the cabinet to make the overlay more visible. Mm -hmm. Because... If it's not bright enough, then it's going to be a really hard game to play because the mm-hmm. maze isn't actually rendered on the screen. It's on the no. overlay. Yeah, Cinematronics had a bit of a habit with that with a few of their games. This one, Warrior. Warrior, yeah. Warrior's a fun game. I think it game. might have been one oh. other. I got to play that one with, with someone. That's because that's a two-player only game, I believe. So, yeah, armor dot, 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 attack. And I have to say that because that's what it says on the marquee. <laughs> Some people just say armor attack. You're forgetting those dots, and those dots are integral the to the game because that is actually representative of Morse code, which features prominently uh, in the game's soundtrack. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. You may have mentioned it on the podcast, though. I mentioned it on a that's different a- podcast. And I'm saving oh, yeah, it. You did. And yeah. I'm saving it for a future episode of Pie Factory Podcast. Ooh. Yes. So there's a couple of games that you've brought up that uh, we haven't talked about yet, which I don't have that on my list. Mm. Uh, just putting that out there. But yeah. Shall I move on to my next one? Please do. My next one is Zook Eeper. Oh. Again, this is a fun game, and it's one of the most visually pleasing and sonically pleasing games to have in a home arcade. It's not iconic like uh, Tempest was when it comes to the sound department. The fact of the matter is that this is a game that if I walked into an arcade and I didn't hear it, I would kind of miss uh, not having it there. Yeah. You know? The um, last time I was at Underground Retrocade, well, not terribly long ago, it was right up front. Like, you walk in, there's Zookeeper oh, immediately. Because I think it's one of their latest acquisitions. I was going to say, I don't think he had had it in the past. Yeah, because usually the latest acquisitions are, like, right up front. I got to get back to... Um, Galloping Ghost, because before COVID hit, their uh, Zookeeper machine had lots of problems with the monitor. Really? But from what I, yeah, from what I understand, they fixed it, and it's uh, full okay. working condition now. So I have to hit them up to play that. But yeah, Zookeeper, and um, hoping to uh, play that on my 2600 soon. Oh, with yeah. The I, ordered it. I ordered it from Atari. I just still haven't gotten it. I, and I can't imagine that things are going to be doing, or going to be fast on Atari age lately, given that they're in Texas and uh, yeah. Texas is just yeah. not in good shape at the time we're recording. Texas is a huge, huge yeah. mess right so now. So I totally, I totally understand if that's the case. I mean, yeah. I mean, plus they, these things are made to order. Unless he's got somebody in another state that's helping him out, but I just think he's just doing it by himself. Yeah, I so can't. The only thing I don't like about Zookeeper is mm-hmm. the- The non-bonus bonus rounds? Not, but I actually I've I've learned to get over those. But the thing I really don't like about Zookeeper though is that there are like little demonstrations that you cannot skip. It's like okay, yeah. I know how to play this. Just let me move on. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally get that. I that's not I'm not a fan of that in games, especially games that have like long cutscenes or long yeah. drawn out text brawls. I guess or yeah. scrolls Please or give, whatever. Give us the option to skip it. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. And I, there was one. Is it? I, I think. I think like Baby Pac Man. I think you can actually skip the theme song. I think you can press a button I and it starts th- off. I know at least Bob's version. I think of it, you're you can. right. I'd, again, that's one I'd have to play again. But but yeah, I think you're I, right on that. But yeah, Zookeeper. Yeah, you gotta have that. And yeah, it's only in my it's in my honorable mentions list because the, I put it in there be, in the honorable mentions for myself. 
after I've realized we're doing honorable mentions, but, and I'm looking through my top 10 and thing is, I don't want to get, I don't want to sacrifice anything in my top 10. That's why I had such a hard time putting, yeah. uh, putting Qbert down when I realized I didn't have Tempest. Yeah. Now what you going to do? What am I going to do for, what, for my number seven? You mean? What are you going to do for your number seven? Well, I'm going to say Millipede. Ah. And I mentioned this in the previous episode that I'm just really getting into Millipede lately, like mm-hmm. big time. It's a good choice. And that's why I have Centipede in my honorable mentions, because hey, if that Millipede machine ever breaks down, at least I can throw that Centipede in there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, yeah, if you know how to play Centipede, you can walk up and play Millipede know, and know the gist pretty quickly. But the thing is, though... Millipede is different enough to warrant being a separate game, which is why we talked about it in a separate episode. We didn't, mm. like, Centipede, we didn't say, oh, yeah, and there was a sequel called Millipede. We did an entire separate thing for Millipede. It's not like it's Gauntlet 2 or Pole Position 2, which yeah. really didn't have enough twists to warrant their own episode. Although, we probably could have done that with Gauntlet 2 in retrospect, but I'd still hold yeah. by the decision of not having it in its own episode. Oh, can I just own. say, I finally played Pole Position 2 for, for the arcade version, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I like Pole Position, yeah. but not Pole Position 2. But Millipede, I man, like Pole Position 2. Millipede is such a cool game. Uh, so, uh, what I love about it is the fast action, really. Mm-hmm. It's like Centipede, but like eight times faster. Centipede on and, steroids. And what I love about that is all the action is fast, including your firepower. So you can knock out an entire millipede like really, really quickly, even without using the DDT. Oh, one thing I, I forgot to mention this last time we talked, but uh, hmm. I came so close to doing this. I came so close to blowing up a scorpion. Uh, uh, are those scorpions in millipede? No, earwig. earwig. I, I came so close to blowing up an earwig with DDT. Oh, Oh, man. Because I, I want to see what that's like. I want to see, like, if I, I assume you get 2,000 points for doing that, but mm. hey. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. <clears throat> so you want to hear what the next one on my list is? No, but everybody else does, so you better. Awesome. <clears throat> I'll give you a hint. Xevious. Um, I have to have, like, my favorite shooter on here. My favorite... Uh, horizontally scrolling oh. shooter on here. And oh, oh by it's the way, it's you're talking about. Yeah. Except it's a vertically scrolling shooter, not a horizontally sh- scrolling oh, shooter. Oh yeah, you're right. You're you're right. You're right. And technically there's no such thing as horizontal scrolling. By definition, scrolling is up and down. I, yeah, learned, th- well, I learned that in my TV oh, class in college. Oh, well. You're just going to have to accept what I say because I'm not budging on this because that's what they say in the in the business. Left and right but is crawling, up, up and down is yes, scrolling. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, crawling in my skin, these wounds, they will not heal, blah, blah, blah. Okay, enough of Linkin Park. But as far as Xevious goes, one thing I noticed, um, the uh, the 2600 port, uh, Xevious, which is, again, based on the 7800 code, yeah. does not have the uh, the mothership in it. So again, it's still just a work in progress, but it's still awesome. But yeah, Xevious, uh, it's kind of a, I would say it's kind of a minimalistic sort of game in a way. That has, still has a lot going on, and um, it's one of my better games that I play. I can I can get up to seventy five, eighty thousand on it on a good day, and um, the fact that it's got the hidden free lives and the hidden citadels and other things, even though they're mostly in the same spot, it's always fun to uncover one of those and blast it for extra points. Yeah, and um, I couldn't have an arcade without that theme song. Mm. It's probably one of my favorite theme songs, although. It's overshadowed by the theme song in the game that's going to be next on my list. Oh, what could it be? Well, we're not going to know what's next on your we list for a for little a bit. Minutes. Yeah. 
because now it's time to talk about my number six, which is Cubert. Cubes. Cubert's Cubes. I love Cubert's Cubes. It's such a unique spin, pardon the uh, use of the word spin, given the nature of Cubert's Cubes, of course, or rotation, mm-hmm. perhaps. And um, I just like the overall challenge of it. Well, it's not even really that hugely challenging, really. It's quick to learn. I like how it does get tricky, though, because you have to figure out which way you're going to spin the cubes, which affects where you're going to jump from, where you're going to jump to, pardon the dangling prepositions. And I love the names of the characters, because you have Rat-a-tat-tat in place of Coily. Uh, you have Shoebops. Shoebops. And the stories of how they got their names, too. And there is a book called Cubert and We, written by uh, Jeff Lee and a couple of other people, I think. I think uh, Trickman T.J. Minich from uh, Pixel, Blast. Pixel Blast, and uh, I think he wrote for a magazine back in the 90s, too. Uh, he contributed to that as well, and uh, I've linked it in the show notes before. I'm going to link it in the show notes again, because it's a fascinating read, Cubert and We. And uh, from our Cubert's Cubes episode, which was 89... That's where I got a lot of my source mm-hmm. material for when we talked about that. But it's such a fun game to play. I do not have original Cubert anywhere on my list because, really, after getting into Cubert's Cubes, I just can't go back to that. I really can't. Yeah. See, I'm just the opposite. I'm just, I'm not a fan of Cubert's Cubes. <laughs> I think it takes the simple formula from Cubert, makes it unnecessarily complicated. And I think the screen looks a lot messier than Cubert does. And so I'm I'm not really a fan of it, but uh, I can I can dig I can see the screen being kind of a mess. Yeah, I, I can understand where you're going there. But uh hey, you know, you, not everybody likes everything. No. So, no, of know. course not. Yeah, and another reason I would have this in my home arcade is that the one Cubert's cubes that I can get to is kind of effed up and that the sounds are not mapped properly. Mm-hmm. Like I think in the in the bonus round where you have to uh, arrange all all the cubes in a certain way by a certain time, like it, I think every time the cube spins, it plays the bonus sound instead, and there's all kinds of problems like that. It's still very playable. It's just the sounds are all wrong. I mm-hmm. can't deal with that. I need the correct sounds. So my home arcade would include a Cubert's cubes with the sounds properly mapped. So there. There you go. And speaking of sounds. Ooh. The next uh, game on my list, I would miss if I did not hear in the arcade, and that is, of course, Gyrus. Oh, yes. The classic, classic, what was it, box? Takata. Takata and Fugue. Fugue. Takata and Fugue in D minor. D minor. D minor or B minor? D as in. Dog. As in. Uh, um, as in. D- Delta. No, Alpha Bravo Delta. Yeah, Delta. Delta. Okay. But uh, I would definitely miss that, not being the I arcade. I go by international radio language. Well, I go by Jim Speaks, so there you go. But um, That explains a lot. Yeah, it's the um, the game makes excellent sound of its dual sound chips, which is yes. the same sound chip that's in the Vectrex, FYI. Really? And, uh, yeah, because it's the same sound chip that's in uh, Time Pilot. It just oh, so I did not know. Gyrus has two of them. I did not know that. And, uh, yeah, oh, it's so got- it probably can't be reproduced. Well, then again, if it could be reproduced in the Vectrex, it would be in mono. You really want it in stereo. And you want to make sure that you can hear the game. Make sure that they have the volume turned all the yes. way up. And that, hate saying this, but the games around it are turned a little bit down. Because this is a game, even the, the, the game needs to be heard. Now, I don't have this on my list just because of the audio either. Uh, the fact of the matter is the game itself is really good and really fun 
uh, very addicting. Uh, it's like the uh, the first uh, Galaxian sequel uh, in the round. And, uh, you know, the thing I like about this over that game is that there's no corners to be trapped in. Oh, you yeah. Free, free movement in the full 360 degrees. And um, I like the fact that the game actually has a bit of a story behind it. You're just trying to, you're lost in space. You're just trying to get home, trying to get back to Earth. And um, I'll never get that far. Uh, I haven't yet. I might someday. You never know. You never know. But, uh, so, yeah, I would be remiss to not have Gyrus in my yeah, That my is arcade. such a great game to have. In it's... fact, I think that's the only uh, only Konami game on my list. Huh. And yeah, Spoiler, uh, yeah, I don't have it on my list. Oh, well. But it is such a cool game. And the number one thing about that game for me is the sound. It's like, whoa. It, it's really probably the best sounding game in the arcade, I would say. Oh, yeah. If you're going from a soundtrack perspective, because the actual sounds of like your ship firing and the explosions are kind of muted, but they really kind of need to be for because of the soundtrack. Sure, sure. And I, might I add that the Atari 2600 port of this is actually surprisingly pretty good for what they had to work with. You might add that. I might add that, yeah. You might. Oh, I just did. Mm. <laughs> I haven't made an Austin Powers reference in a while, so mm. there's one. There's one, yeah. So what's the next game on your list, dude? Oh, well, how funny you should ask, because I was about to talk about that. Uh, the next game, my list, Turbo Outrun. And why which, is that? Because, well, the thing is, like, I like racing games very much. And Turbo Outrun, I think, is, for me, it's a little bit compromise and a little bit mm. going places kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit of each. The reason I say compromise is because I would love to have, say, Daytona USA or... Um, Oh, crap. What's that one Namco game that Underground Retrocade recently got? Um, oh. Not Ridge Racer, is it? Dirt okay. Dash, which is a great game. You sit. The controller is actually a little car you sit in. And it's a great game, but the thing is, it'd take up too much space, mm-hmm. just like Daytona USA would. Turbo Outrun, though, that's a standard upright cabinet. I think there is a uh, sit-down version of it, too. I'd be surprised if there weren't, because it's basically the car equivalent to Super Hang-On. Mm-hmm which itself has its own thing. But I would say full upright cabinet for um, Turbo Outrun. I always loved it. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, like Pixel Blast had it for a while, which I didn't even know because uh, I somehow overlooked it when I was there. And when they announced that they were taking it off the floor, I was like, oh man, that's one of my favorite games. And he said, hardly anybody ever played it. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. Huh. I was like, man, that's that. you're kidding me. Because I played it a lot at the Louis Juliet Mall Aladdin's Castle. See, I don't ever remember that being there. Oh, yeah, no, it was no, 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 wait a minute, I'm thinking of a different game. No, Turbo Outrun was there, yeah. It absolutely was, because that was that and Ms. Pac-Man really were the only games I played there, and Tetris, mm-hmm. that was it, really. And it's just a great game. It's It takes Outrun and makes it a little bit sharper, a lot more dynamic with that turbo button mm-hmm. and everything, and you feel like you're going somewhere. Like, you don't feel, say, like, like the movement you would if you were playing Daytona USA, mm-hmm. But you still have that feel of going places, mm-hmm. unlike with your standard like race around the track racers, like say pole position, or um, uh, oh, what's the speed buggy? I think, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a little bit more engaging than turbo. Although speed buggy does have a track that's not a circle. Actually, that's yeah, true, I think yeah. most of its tracks aren't circles. Now that I think about it, I think only I, mean, one I like is. speed buggy. Don't get me that's wrong. That's a great speed game. A I need to game. add that to our list. That's yeah, a hard yeah. game to emulate. Really? No, I have to. I can imagine. Yeah, driving games usually are. Yeah, yeah, they usually are. If I had the room for an environmental Daytona USA, that would easily be on my list, but I don't. So. Yeah. 
So, uh, see, even in my dream finished basement, I don't have enough room for one of those kind of right. things. Yeah, I wouldn't need, wouldn't need. Now, if I, again, if I could get the environmental Star Wars, that would be on my top 10, but I can't put, put it in the arcade. So, you know, ah. that's why it's an, inv- an honorable mention. So how about your next game? My next one is Space Duel. Oh, nice. After thinking about it for a while and playing a few rounds of both Asteroids Deluxe and Space Duel, I have to give the edge to Space Duel because nothing beats playing a one-player tethered mode. Hmm. And uh, I just love all of the different shapes and different colors. And um, it really dials uh, Asteroids up to an 11. And um, Hmm. it's a fun game tethered also with a second player, but it's, you know, one player is pretty good too. One problem I have with Space Duel emulated is because of the uh, level select screen, there's like an extra select button on the cabinet that you don't really think of because most games don't have a select button other than a play choice 10. But uh, other than that, um, yeah, Space Duel is a great game. Love the Asteroids formula. It's another one of those games that has a bonus round that's really not a bonus round. But uh, I still like it, and um, just a, just a great game. I love getting to the spinning cubes. That's my favorite favorite screen in that game, and um, this would be a great game in three D. Actually, if you could get three yeah. uh, D glasses, that's what that's what I would love to see a three D version of it. You probably could use three D glasses on there if you have, if the uh, lenses on the on the glasses match exactly. Mm, I don't think that would work, but uh, you know what? I do. Have a DVD here with uh, the red, blue, uh, 3D glasses that I might actually have to try next time I get to an arcade with it. Yeah, I have a friend who once gave me this this whole, a whole stack of like little cells, mm-hmm. and I would actually go through them and match them up with different games and see if I could get a 3D effect going. And sometimes it worked really well too. By the way, the 3D glasses came with my copy of uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. So hmm. yeah, you might have to tweak colors to make them work, but. I'm going to have to try that tonight. Yeah, Space Duel. I like Space Duel. I just don't love it. For me, the appeal Uh, to Space Duel is the graphics, really. I don't care so hmm. much for the gameplay. It's the graphics. I can understand. I know you like Asteroids Deluxe a lot, as do I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, In fact, those of you listening who ever go to Underground Retrocade, uh, the cabinet over there has three different boards in it. It has Asteroids, Asteroids Deluxe, and Lunar Lander. It's usually set to Asteroids, but if you ever see it set to Asteroids Deluxe, it might and, mean that I was just there. Because I always switch it over to Asteroids and Deluxe don't and play Lunar Asteroids Lander. Deluxe. Maybe we should do a bottom 10 uh, list of games. Oh, man. Well, we, have, we have to come up with a plan for that. Right. Because you got to be careful with that. Because as, as much as we don't like Mortal Kombat, when we play against each other, we had a blast. But it's just in the single player mode, we don't like it. So Mortal Kombat would not be on that list. That's true. Yeah. So true. That's something else I want to do is reevaluate the two player at the same time games that we've talked about and reevaluate them in context of playing. Yeah, we should. uh, Two players. Now, here's something that just Mm -hmm. came to mind here. The game that you're talking about now and the one that I'm about to talk about, we had these in the same episode. Really? Okay. Yes. Because my next game, Pac-Man. Yes, we did, didn't we? Yep, we we had a theme for the two of them together. Oh, by the way, a spoiler, I don't have any Pac-Man games on my list. Just a little spoiler. That's fine. That's fine. I figured I had to have Pac-Man on there specifically because it's not my favorite Pac-Man game of the mm-hmm. whole series, but it's the original. It's what started it all. And I really need to practice it more. I really do. Now, specifically, I would have the Cabaret. 
I love that cabaret comedy. It's such a cool look. When uh, my wife and I went to uh, South Dakota 11 years ago after I got laid off, (laughs) and my whole summer was funded by Severance, it was awesome. And shortly after that trip, I started a new, a new job in which I had a couple of paydays overlap. So that was awesome. So we could afford the trip. And um, when we were in South Dakota, I think it was at Rockerville, I think, which is basically a ghost town, but they still have a couple of businesses there. There's a, a little tavern we stopped into to grab a bite to eat or something. And they had a cabaret Pac-Man machine in there and it looked so cool. And I took a picture of it and I'll share that in the show notes. I got to have Pac-Man in there specifically i mean yeah it doesn't have the side art and everything but i freaking love that cabaret it is just such it's so attractive for what it is yeah Mm -hmm. and it would just be a standard pac-man it's like not one of the newer ones where you can continue and get past level 256 it wouldn't be like one of those class of whatever games no no in fact i specifically asked you so that means that none of the class of you said yes. Yeah, those, so I, I think those... I was like, okay. Which, actually, I'm glad you said, because for one thing, I don't think they that the sound in the Pac-Man on those machines mm-hmm. is totally accurate. Ms. Pac-Man is totally accurate, but, but regular Pac-Man, not accurate. Mm-hmm. So I need, I especially need the sound to be good, to be good. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. So my top three games are actually in order. The rest of my list is not. Mine are, mine are sort of in order. Mine are definitely in order. And uh, after playing some of them, there's a bit of a surprise as to which my top game is. Do tell. With my next game, I have to make a caveat. My next game is Two Tigers. Oh, yeah. I think part of the reason I love this game is I only saw it once in the arcade before Galloping Ghost. And when I saw it, I just immediately got hooked. And I've played it in MAME off and on throughout the years. And... Um, the caveat I have to make on this is if I can get a, a Two Tigers cabinet that has the gameplay of the standalone cab with the controls of the Tron conversion, that would be the cabinet I would want. Hmm. I'm not a fan of the flight yoke on the standalone, uh, but I'm not a fan of the rules in the game on the Tron conversion, which that was so weird. The games were so different. It's, it's basically the same, but they changed them enough to where one of the games might as well just be a sequel to the other instead of a straight-up different version of the original. I just love the idea of this game, and I just love blowing up battleships. And you get a lot of battleship blowing-up action in this game. And I like the fact that uh, you can die as much as you want, crash your airplane or whatever, that's not what kills you. If you let three battleships or whatever get past you, that's your game. Your game's over at that point because supposedly they can get to, I don't know, Iwo Jima or wherever... And, uh, you know, destroy everything there. But I love the, uh, the the fact that it uses a knob on the Tron conversion. And um, you would actually have to add another button because the Tron conversion doesn't have the speed part that the, um, the standalone has. If really pressed, I would take the standalone because the rules... Hmm. The rules of the game are just better on the standalone. I can totally see that. And, and yeah, it's, that, is, that is a good game to have. It's not a very common no, one No, it's not. And, and not common at all. Gameplay-wise, it's one of the more original games on this list. I think I've got one that's even more original than it, and actually for my next game. But um, it's just a lot of fun. And in dogfight mode, this game takes on a whole new... Uh, a whole new... Um, world. A whole new world, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, definitely a fun one, and uh, if you can find one with any of these games, these are our favorites. You, if you find one, play it. But uh, so yeah, I gotta go with two tigers for my number three slot. 
that's a good that's a good choice i'd have to say uh, almost as good as my choice for my number three slot which is omega race specifically in an mm-hmm. environmental cabinet yes i would i love the gameplay mm-hmm. and the layout of the not just the layout but how um oh what's the word i'm looking for uh how, the ergonomics of it yeah too. that's true that is a the, the sit didn't we make a rule about the sit downs or did we not? I don't remember. It doesn't. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll let you have it. I don't think we did. I'll let you have it regardless. If I'm going to have Omega Race, that has to be environmental. Yeah, that's that really for sure. does. You feel like you're sitting on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise with the way you're sitting in the environmental cabinet. It's really an awesome experience. The way the control panel is, it's just laid out perfectly for my proportions. I just have to rest my hands, and there's the controllers right there. Real, literally at your fingertips. Yes, and it's just awesome. And because you're in that little enclosed space, the sound just has so little room to bounce uh-huh. off of and it really adds to the effect it's so cool well, i would like so to see cool. somebody hack the arcade omega race to incorporate the options that are in the ColecoVision version of the game because the ColecoVision port is so much fun but they've got ports like a tunnel that bisects the uh the rectangle in the middle of the screen uh there's one oh, version yeah. where there's tunnels that you can warp off the left right or top and uh top and bottom uh, I can't remember some of the other, but it, it's just the ColecoVision port is just jam packed with options I would like to see in the arcade. Well, I'll have to try that if I ever get my Collector Vision Phoenix. Oh, you will at some point. If not, I'll just have to bring my along to your place sometime. Or you could come down here. Yeah, or load it up on the Mister if it is possible. I think it I is. Think I think the there's game, a ColecoVision. The game works. I think the game works best with the Super Action controller, but you can play it with the original. Uh huh. So yeah, I, I do like Omega Race. I don't know why you well, i guess i just like these other games better i love omega race though so you know nice game oh so i guess so it's what's my number your number two. two number one i order you yeah, a- tell me all about your number two yes. uh it's brown and lumpy no it's not it's actually very uh, original looking and uh, there's nothing else like hmm. it let's see a picture of it i robot oh yeah this is probably the most original game on the list that i have here Again, it's probably another game that I rem- probably remember more fondly because I only saw it a couple of times, uh, you know, back in the Ferg. But um, I, I, when I was at last time I was at Retrocade, Scott asked me, "Why do you like iRobot so much?" And I really couldn't come up with an explanation for it other than that I just think <laughs> it's fun. I just think it's a fun game. It is fun. It's a it's a very good game, and it's sadly, tragically hard to find. The only place around here that has it is Galloping Ghost. And uh, they only recently got, they got it, too. this last summer, which this last summer, Galloping Ghost really knocked it out of the park with their acquisitions, I must say. The only thing I don't like about iRobot, but it's part of the game and part of the fun, I guess, is the, uh, the, the stage with the gigantic rotating head and shooting the spikes at you. I, oh, that's yeah. the, if I'm going to die, it's well, I, I pretty much died pretty much all the stages, but it's, it seems to me to me, it's more frustrating to die on that stage than the others. And then, of course, it's got the original thing with the uh, with the Doodle City on it too, where you can just draw stuff. I would want to make a, a, a adaptation to this cabinet to where it could actually output to like a VCR or into a digital format, so that you could actually save your creations on uh, you know rewritable, removable media. But uh, yeah, other than that, I would still take it in just the standard cab because it's a great game. And um, sure, as we explained in the episode, it has a has a lot of details, not gameplay, but details in common with Tempest because it was made by Dave Tour. Toyer. Toyer. I said Tour, didn't I? Yeah, it was Toyer. So 
Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I'm going to veer off topic for a moment. One thing I forgot to mention that uh, a book I'm reading right now, Missile Commander by Tony Temple. I've heard about this book. Yeah, it's so far, it is a it is a fan-freaking-tastic read so far. I'm about 70 pages in, and I think it's partly about the history of Missile Command and partly about Tony Temple's story of getting the world mm-hmm. record. At the point I'm at now, it's still, like, Missile Command is still only in prototype mm-hmm. phase. But it's just the story behind it is, the game is just so fascinating. And Tony talks about his own personal life as a teenager when the game came out and how uh, freaked out he was about the possibility of nuclear annihilation. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talked about this one pamphlet that was uh, this paper or something you could get in England that would uh, tell you what to do if a nuclear attack Mm -hmm. happened. And he was talking about how he practically memorized that thing because he was so concerned even though these days, like it's laughable what it says there, and I got I got to find that thing. Apparently, it's easily findable online. I just haven't tried yet. But look for that book, uh, Missile Commander by Tony Temple. I bought it directly from him. I don't know if it's out with the uh, uh, regular book sellers yet, mm-hmm. but I will look and link the show notes to uh, to that book. It's I highly highly recommend it. Excellent. Now, if I finish up, ever finish up with any of the books that I have. Uh Excuse me, in my backlog, I'll be make sure to get that one. I got so many backlog books. I just don't have the attention span to really read too much anymore, unfortunately. But Have somebody read it to you. So, yeah, iRobot. So what is your next one, your number two? My number two is pretty super, I'll tell you, oh. Bob. In fact, it's Super Pac-Man. Ooh, two Pac-Man games. But this one has to be Cocktail Table. Okay. I normally am not a big Cocktail Table fan, but something about playing Super Pac-Man on a Cocktail <laughs> Table... It just feels right. It feels right. And that's and my best games have been on the cocktail version. And I always said that if I were to ever have an arcade game ever, at least in my current situation, which I probably would never want, uh, I would have a Super Pac-Man cocktail table because it would serve as double duty. It would be a video game and an actual mm-hmm. table. So that's a good way to keep it. And I'm thinking, man, I'm so used to this as a cocktail table that even if I do have that dream uh, finished basement arcade, mm-hmm. it's got to be the Super Pac-Man cocktail table. I believe it's ambidextrous, as is the uh, the full upright cabinet. And I love the gameplay. It's unique. It's not, it is the usual uh, eat everything mm-hmm. in the maze and avoid the monsters. They are monsters, not ghosts, period. And, uh, yeah, it's been argued that, oh, you're only going off the American bezel because the in, in America they call them monsters, but in Japan they call them ghosts. Wrong. On the Japanese cabinet, if you do a Google Translate on uh, the Japanese cabinet, it also says monsters. So, nah. Mm. Wasn't addressing anybody in particular necessarily. Lying gets. But Super Pac-Man's got to be in there. And I think one thing that I really, really love about it is the attract mode sounds. Yeah. Now, I know it is not unique for a video game to have sounds in attract mode, but that was something that really caught my ear when I first mm-hmm. saw Super Pac-Man at the Kroger in Bourbon A in 1982, yeah, 83. The first time I saw... I like, oh, this is so the cool. The first time I saw Super Pac-Man at the Pizza Hut on US 30 in Joliet, which is long gone, by the way. Really? Yeah, they closed up a few years ago. They burned down. Oh, uh. Then they built a new Pizza Hut. Then they okay, must have gone out of business a couple of years later. And uh, they tore it down and put like more a small shopping plaza in its place. I don't think there's a mattress store in there. Oh. Which is odd. Huh. But uh, It is odd, yeah. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. It's like to hear a track mode sound effects, 
on Super Pac-Man. That definitely was ear-catching. So definitely uh, see what you're Especially saying. Especially when he eats the monsters. I love that sound. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Such a unique sound. And before we get to our number ones, which may or may not be our fa- our, like our biggest choices, because this is not necessarily in order, uh-huh. why don't we see what our listener said, our Patreon sponsor? Well, why don't we? Yeah. And that was from a good old friend, uh, Ground Trooper, or Richard Grounds. Yes, and, indeed. And uh, uh, his list apes ours in a few ways. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we have a lot of overlap. Uh, going from his number 10, he has Star Wars. Then he has Dig Dug. Oh, you know what? Let's read. He has a, he has a little thing. A here. comment. Yeah, let's read the comment. So I grew up in a small little Arizona town. We were fortunate to have three arcades in our little town, plus games in the usual places, the bowling alley and grocery stores here and there. But even with three arcades, there was still a very limited selection of games. We mostly had very mainstream popular games. My game list is based on games we had access to that I played often and enjoyed. I have never been great at any particular game, but these 10 represent, if I could have a game room, these are the games that would fill it and based on my positive experiences. So, number 10, Star Wars. Nine was Dig Dug. Eight was Ms. Pac-Man. Seven was Pac-Man. Six was Tron. Here's a game series. I'm surprised it's not on either of our list. Uh, Donkey Kong. I, I do not like Donkey Kong except for Donkey Kong 3 and, and Mario Brothers. Yeah. I, That's it. I'm just not a fan of the Nintendo games. It depends on the game. I like Popeye. I like Popeye too. And Donkey yeah. Kong Three. Oh, is my I can't favorite. wait for that seventy-eight hundred version to come. Oh gosh, out. that oh. looks sweet. It doesn't. I I have to look to see. It. There was a, something with the concerto card that wasn't working properly. I don't know if they got it ironed out or what. Oh, it might have been the uh, the dragonfly I was playing it on. Okay. But anyway. So anyway, Donkey Kong Joust this week in Robotron, <laughs> uh, Asteroids Deluxe, and his number one Tempest. Tempest. So thank you for your response, uh, Richard. And uh, yeah, if you. any of our listeners want to join in on the fun to send us uh, your top 10 list or an audio, audio, I don't know, recording of of your top 10 list, toss a couple of honorable mentions in there. Go ahead and email them to us at uh, piefactory at fab4it.com. Did I get it right? Yes. Yoo-hoo. Or piefactorypodcast at fab4it.com. That's right. That'll also work your as well. Your choice. You know what I would really love if somebody has an actual vocoder and you want you have so, you have a submission for us speak through the vocoder I would love to hear that um, not not a vocoder effect on a on your audio software but an actual real vocoder sure yeah do that so so anyway you want to go to your uh, number one yeah number one I order you to take a number two so um, I already did that joke didn't I. So uh, I don't know my number one game, and after a lot of soul searching and playing it a lot the last couple of weeks, there's no way this game couldn't be number one. Sinistar. Ah. Beware, I live. Sinistar, I describe basically as time pilot on steroids. It is like the ultimate kind of thing in that format, and it's the most difficult as hell game I've ever played in the arcade. That's not you know, difficult mm. because of the controls. But it, it's like Tapper. It is an adrenaline-pushing game. There's a lot going on. And um, I couldn't imagine an arcade without Beware, I Live. Run, uh. run, run. I couldn't have an arcade without those sounds playing in it. And what better way hmm. to do that than to have a Sinistar machine? And if I have the room, a Sinistar environmental would be the way You're to go. You're about to ask, answer what I was going to ask. Yes. I would, I would prefer a Sinistar environmental. But uh, the stand-up is still fun, too. So, yeah, of course. 
So does, yeah. Once you do environmental, though, you're not going to want to play the Once stand-up. you do environmental, you can't go back. So, so yes, yeah, Sinistar can't be anything except my number one home arcade game. It, it, yeah. it just can't. It's just too much going for it. Sorry, iRobot, I had to knock it a number two. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you understand. Because the Sinistar oh. lives, but I have to destroy him. Yes. So, what's your number one? Well, my number one, again, really my list wasn't in any particular order, but I do have to say this is my favorite cabinet. This is my favorite cabinet. Tron. Mm-hmm. In an upright cabinet. I knew Tron was going to be on your list. There was well, so I, much I about that. I saw your list already, but yeah. The game is frustratingly difficult for me. I can, I can on a rare day, could I ever get past uh, the second level. Same here. But I almost always get killed on the MCP cone stage. I figured out how to do the tank stages. Tank stages I suck at. I mean, yeah, I know the use the middle thing. The thing is, I usually die on my way to the middle. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. But still, it's so much about... It's basically the best of every conceivable world. It has the playability. You cannot... It is airtight playability. Uh-huh. The graphics are great. Mm-hmm. The sound is just freaking great. It's it, it's like it's another game where you would you would it's like would, gyrus level sound, including stereo. That's another game where you would miss it if you didn't hear it in the arcade. Yeah, absolutely. And that little UV light on it. Oh gosh, it's it, the cabinet is absolutely gorgeous. If we're going by the way the cabinet looks, you would have to have a Satan's Hollow right next to this one just for the contrast of the neon, the red yeah, neon and the, next to the oh, blue. Yeah, and, yeah, the joystick too. Yeah, the mm-hmm. joystick is awesome on that, and the way it glows. And that, and let me tell you, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the episode we discussed Tron. But man, being by that UV light, there's a speci- there's a certain tie dye that I have mm-hmm. that has a lot of blues and reds in it. Oh my god, that that UV light does wonders for that. It's it's amazing. It is so cool. So yeah, to me, my favorite cabinet has to be Tron. It's got it's got. Everything, everything. Yeah. Again, I had to put it on and my. That's going in my home arcade. I had to put it in my honorable mentions or my my rotation uh, set of games. But um, if I had a bigger spot, it would definitely make it in there for all of the reasons. And I don't you like the movie, so blah. You really, you don't like the movie? I I did not like the movie. Huh? I I loved the movie. It's a retelling of the Christ tale. I think I've gone over that in the episode. Yeah, you probably have. I'm surprised you didn't put Discs of Tron <laughs> on here. Yeah, the thing is, Discs of Tron, between that and Tron, I think Tron, first of all, I Discs of Tron is just one game. Tron has like all kinds of, it has the, all the sub-games in it. Yeah, I, so you're, what you're saying is Tron is more playable. It's, it is more playable. So yeah. I can see that. I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. I mean, Discs of Tron almost made at least my honorable mentions list. And you, that has to be the environmental cab. Never played it, but yeah, I'll take your word for that. Yeah, I've played the environmental cabin. It is an experience. It's like, it's the closest to like virtual reality that you will get in the era in which it was released. Yeah. So, alrighty then. That's that. That's our list. Uh, yeah. Our list. So yeah, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned a little something. So. Because God knows we didn't. Yeah, that's true. It's not like we haven't talked about most of these games before. Yeah. So with that, should, uh, we got uh, people we needed to 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 thank to thank. Oh yeah, yeah, and of course because we didn't follow the usual format, I didn't have like episode notes, so I got to go back and find that lists all the uh, the sponsors. So uh, oh hi, uh, um yeah. So I want to thank 
all these wonderful people who have uh, helped us out financially to get this show uh, running. And uh, we're going to have a few hardware upgrades coming up soon, thanks to these wonderful donations and um, other things. And uh, also, I know I mentioned this before, like a long time ago, but I'm really going to start looking into t-shirts for everybody too. So like, if you're a Patreon sponsor and you don't already have a Pie Factory t-shirt, uh, reach out to us, let us know your size, and uh, we'll get an order. In fact, what I might do, we do have a Redbubble store. And I'm going to see if we could just do that through Redbubble mm-hmm. rather than going through uh, the place that I went through before for our previous iteration of t-shirts. Uh, nothing against them. It's just logistics for me because mm-hmm. it's not easy to get to this place unless you're in a car. And if you're in a car, good luck parking. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but anyway, having said that, I just all these people I have to thank from on behalf of all the cast and crew here at Pie Factory Podcast for helping us out uh, through Patreon, starting with, in no particular order, Atari Bytes, Christian Williams, Nate Lockhart. Oh, who relaunched his Memory Machine podcast, by the oh, way. Oh, I have to add that to my, uh, my podcatcher, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I use uh, iTunes for that, and I haven't seen it show up in iTunes. I know iTunes takes a while because they actually manually inspect the podcasts before they publish them. Unlike, say, Stitcher and Google and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear uh, Nate back again. Uh, D. Alex, thank you so much. New Balance Stores Phoenix, thanks, folks. Tim Foley, Richard Valdez, thank you. Uh, Timmy Mack, thank you. Underground Retrocade, thank you. PJ Steele, Kurt Musgrave, Mike Hat and Jay. Air Shack. Oh, I might have to link it. I, oh, yeah, Air Shack sent me another link to uh, his. Uh, uh, Escape North Korea gameplay for the TI 994A, oh. and I will put that in the show notes. Um, apparently, the link got messed up or something. Anyway, thanks, uh, Air Shack. Uh, thank you, Keith Sheehan, Rory Charles Coleman, David. Ch- Do we ever hear from David as to whether it's Chaves or Chavez or, or Janovsky? I think it's either Chavez or Chavez. Okay. But David, thank you so much. We appreciate your help here. Uh, Art Guglielmo, thank you. Uh, Greg at the SNES podcast, Steve Steiner, Mark Super, Kyle Etter. Richard Grounds and Lance Andrews, thank all of you so much. Thank you all. And uh, listen to our closing credits, uh, should you care to join these wonderful people in their support. And um, what else can I say? Uh, yeah, I, we really need to do a little bit more. With, like We need to have another recording session with our uh, booth announcer to update the... Uh, we need to change that a little bit because, well, we are now part of the uh, Fab4IT podcast network. Mm-hmm. Having said that, yeah, this is, um, yeah, stuff. So, yeah. So, and our next episode, what are we going to talk oh, about? Yeah. yeah. For uh, the next episode, which will be the next month, which will be March, although this one might come out in March because it's uh, kind of late in February, but uh, we'll see oh, what sure. happens. But the next episode, we will talk about two games, and those games will be Kung Fu Master and Double Kung Dragon. Fu Master. Ooh. And I already forgot what the theme was. <laughs> It's, I, I can tell you this, it's not obvious. Yeah, it's not the kung fu aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. I know that. It's not the martial arts or whatever. Or the martial crunch. Oh, God, I, gotta, I still got I still got to watch the rest of season three of... Uh, Cobra Kai? Oh, what the hell? Cobra Kai, yeah. I only, wait, we only watched like the first two or three episodes. You know, oh, I was in, uh, where was I in today? I was in Best Buy. There's a Cobra Kai game on the Nintendo Switch. Really? Yeah. Huh. So, uh, Interesting. Yeah. Alrighty. But anyway, hey, th- thank you all for listening. And, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk, talk to y'all later. And how, how do you want to end it? We could do like funny town names. Well, I thought, well, you can do that if you want, but my sign off is, like I said in the previous, as I said in the previous episode, pardon me, is uh, names uh, names of songs by the monkeys. Oh, that's right. You did say that. 
All right. Well, my. So if you want to do that's how you do your sign off, that's that's up to you, man. Blue ball, Kentucky. Tear the top right off my head. That's kind of uh, interesting mix there, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to everybody next month, and bye bye. What he said. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. My number eight is also a... Uh Take two! 1969 Census of Agriculture? Yes, it was on TV. Census by mail. No census taker? No, we fill it out when we want to. No census taker. (laughs) It's private this way. I like it. I like it too. (laughs) Woo!